Well, hello everybody. My apologies, I can't be there in person today. I've been really sick with the flu all week and I'm not expecting to be well enough to be there to preach in person. Uh, thankfully, technology enables us to share in God's word. Why don't we pray together? Our Heavenly Father, we ask today as we finish Titus, we get into chapter 3, that you would teach us how to be your people in this world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We know there is a way to transform the human heart, to change people, not just so that there's an external compliance, but so that they truly, genuinely, deeply are transformed. Transformed not just for themselves, but also for the whole good of society. Can we imagine having that conversation with a politician, saying to them, look, there is a way that people can be changed from within so that we no longer need to compel them to uh, obey, to do the right thing, to pay their taxes, to care for one another. Can you imagine that? I mean, you'd have no more use, no more need for police or for uh, coercive laws. Um, everyone from the heart seeking to do what is good. Now, of course, it's a very different picture to reality, isn't it? The, the experience of our lives in the day-to-day -day is that most people are pretty selfish and they have to be compelled to do what is right. We need cameras and detectives and laws and lawyers and juries and judges and courts. We need carrots that incentivise good behaviour, right? If you don't lose any license, any points on your licence, then next time you renew you'll get yourself a cheap licence. And we need to have sticks, right? If you go too fast you'll get fined or thrown in prison or whatever it is. And of course, as soon as you take away any of those coercive elements, what you're left with is, well, the law of the flies comes to mind, if you remember that book. Well, listen to Titus chapter 3 and verse 8. Paul said, this saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. There is a, a saying there's some, an idea that produces a change in people such that they who believe in God are careful to devote themselves to good works. It produces people who are devoted to doing good. Christianity transforms individuals and through those individuals can even transform entire societies. It was certainly true for the early Christians at the time of Paul's writing. Christians were the ones who went out of their way to do good, who cared for the needy and the downtrodden and the vulnerable at a time when no one else would. It's arguable of our current society. We are the, the remnants of, well, Christendom, really, a culture and a time that was shaped very strongly by Christian ideals and ideas. Now, of course, as we Move first, start to move further and further away from it, we're going to see a little bit uh, of, of a collapse in some ways, but there is an idea, there is a reality that can change people from the heart. Listen to what this, uh, this atheist writer had to say, a man named Matthew Paris, he wrote this in 2008 in an article titled, Missionaries Not Aid Money Are the Solution to Africa's Biggest Problem. Now again, atheist man, right? This wasn't written by a Christian, but this is what he said. He said, before Christmas I returned after 45 years, to the country that as a boy I knew as Nyasaland, today it's Malawi, 
and the Times Christmas appeal includes a small British charity running there. I went to see this work. It inspired me, he says, renewing my flagging faith in development charities. But travelling in Malawi refreshed another belief too, one I've been trying to banish all my life, but an observation I've been unable to avoid since my African childhood. It confines, confounds sorry, my ideological beliefs, stubbornly refuses to fit my worldview, and has embarrassed my growing belief that there is no God. This is his conclusion. He says, now a confirmed atheist, I've become convinced of the enormous contribution that Christian evangelism makes in Africa. Sharply distinct from the work of secular NGOs, government projects and international aid efforts. These alone will not do. Education and training alone will not do. In Africa, Christianity changes people's hearts. It brings a spiritual transformation. The rebirth is real. The change is good. There is a way to transform the human heart. Now, what is it? Really, those are the two questions I want to address in our time today, which will be a, a fair bit shorter than normal. Uh, what is this transformation and how does it come about? Well, what is the transformation, first of all? And it can be summarised very simply with this idea. The transformation is to be people who do good to everyone. Look at Titus chapter 3. He says, remind them to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. What is this transformation? Well, it's a transformation that takes people who would otherwise be incredibly selfish, that's how we all are by nature, and instead makes us people who are kind, avoid fighting, always show gentleness to all people who are ready for every good work. Now, it's a little bit of a problem for our Western individualism that wants to say that, well, godliness is about what you do in private. You can be whatever you want to be in private, but when it comes to society, when it comes to public, when it comes to engaging with other people, well, then really you need to be secular. It's a very strange idea. Well, the Bible says that's not true, and we ought not to believe it, right? We, we ought not to believe that in the least. Our godliness ought to be on display. We connect with so many different people in our lives, and what we are to do is to do good for them, to be kind and gentle and speak truthfully and avoid fighting, don't slander them. We are to submit to rulers and authorities. This is one of those verses, I think, where... Sometimes we let our, our objections, our questions, our issues overrule the plain reading of Scripture. Well, but what about the really bad governments? Or what about the ones that do things that I don't like? Or what about the tyrants? What about those who are really quite wicked? What are we supposed to do? Should not we not be in rebellion and overthrowing them and establishing good rule? And well, strange, isn't it? I mean, Paul lived, again, at a time of Roman rule. It wouldn't be long before Christians were being eaten by, thrown to the lions and burnt like candles and all sorts of terrible things. And yet here is Paul saying, submit to them, obey, be ready for good works. Now, of course, there are boundaries, right? If those who are over us seek to assert God, then we must say no. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they were told 
by the government of the day to bow to a statue. And they said, well, we can't do that. Daniel was told to stop praying to his God. He said, well, I can't do that. If the government tries to become God, well, we must disobey. But it's unusual. There is no other line drawn in the Bible. That There is no sense of, well, if it's this bad, then you can overthrow it. Otherwise, no, we are to submit. Now, of course, our government is, demo is democratic, and so we have uh, an invitation to participate at some level in what happens around us. So we say participate by all means. But the transformation is, well, ready to do good for all people. How does that change come? Well, listen to what we were, what each one of us are, without God. Verse 3. We too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. That's a cheery picture, isn't it? Without God, we're all addicts, enslaved to various passions and pleasures, driven by what's within, such that what comes out is malice and envy and hatred, disobedience and deceit. Fools, really. And at that point in time, when we were that sort of people, Listen to what God did in verse 4. When the kindness of God our Saviour and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. You see, how does the change comes? It comes to us from God, who gives what we don't deserve. When his kindness appeared, he saved us. He sent his son to die for forgiveness so that then the spirit might be sent to remake us, that re, re, regeneration, right? rebirth, born again is the, uh, the old way of describing Christians. Such a good way of talking about it. We don't really use that language very often. But, well, are you born again? Have you been remade, renewed? Have you been saved? They're all things that happen to you. None of these are things that you do yourself. They are things that God did for us. The change comes not because we deserve it, not because of our works, not because of our merits, not because we earned it, not because we were very lovely and so God thought to love us, but because we were unlovely and God chose to love us. Now, as an aside, you can look at verses through, uh, sorry, verses 4 and verses 6. You remember we were talking about the deity of Jesus last week. Well, we can do it again in chapter 3. Right? Titus is a brilliant book for convincing people that Jesus is God. Have a look at chapter 3 and verse 4. When the kindness of God our Saviour, who is our Saviour? God. We look down at verse 6. He poured out his Spirit on, on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, who is our Saviour? Jesus. So which is it, God or Jesus? Well, take it as both. There's the Trinity for you. Right, God gives us what we don't deserve. In fact, he gives us even more. He gives us a great reward. Look at verse 6. He poured out his spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. 
These are good and profitable for everyone. God gives us what we don't deserve. He gives us salvation through his Son who pours out his Spirit on us, the Spirit who brings rebirth, who brings regeneration, so that having been justified, having been declared righteous, we might be heirs with the hope of eternal life. We deserve nothing and we have been given everything. I take it that's the trustworthy saying. God has given us what we don't deserve. So why is it that our lives are changed to do good to others? Well, because we give them what they don't deserve. We are devoted to the good work that God does to do good for his enemies. We do the same. Now, of course, Paul says that we are to insist on these things. This is the message that we must stick with. There's so many other things we could get distracted by. Foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels, disputes about the law. There are so many people who are divisive, who want to nitpick at ideas and want to get lost in all sorts of things that are not the gospel. We must stay true to the gospel. Our God is a God who gives people what they don't deserve. And we ought to be on about that same gospel, taking it to those who don't deserve it and seeking their good. Well, I want to finish by way of application with, uh, with verse 14. This, this is going to be a short sermon this week. Um, some of you will like that. If you don't, look, you can go and spend some more time in Titus 3. There's lots still in there. But um, come with me down to verse 14. Look at the little contrast. He says, verse 14, Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works for pressing needs, so that they will not be unfruitful. That's interesting. Back in chapter 2, verse 14 from last week, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. But in 14, let their people learn to devote themselves to good works. There's, a, there's a, one of these Bible dualities, double ideas at play here. Excuse my fuzzy brain. Right, God, by his spirit, he works to change us, to change our passions and desires, to make us want to live his way, which I take it he's done to you. But at the same time, we have to learn to devote ourselves to good works. It's a journey that begins with justification. It begins with regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, but won't be completed until the Lord Jesus returns and in the meantime is a journey each one of us must take. We need to learn to devote ourselves to good works. So I want you, by way of reflection of Titus 3 this week, to stop and ponder. Are you devoted to good works for pressing needs? Are you devoted to being kind, showing gentleness to all people? Are you devoted to living God's way? being a recipient of the mercy of God that has appeared, seeking to share with others the goodness that they don't deserve. Well, God bless everyone. I hope that you'll have lots to talk about with each other and to continue to share and grow.